0: Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Manning Publications. If you use the discount code YTFisher at checkout, you'll get 40% off my Docker in Motion course. It is five and a half hours long and it teaches the fundamentals of Docker. Go to howtocowell.net forward slash to get my course or other video courses and books from Manning Publications. Link in the description below hello coders and welcome to another how to code well podcast today we're going to be talking about teaching and i have the absolute pleasure of being joined by a local streamer um hello ted how's it going have you had a good week
1: yeah i've had a great week um one of, one of my better weeks so thanks yeah
0: better weeks what what's uh what's a what's a better week
1: so uh I love presenting and teaching, and so um, I also like doing it to more Mm community-like events. And so, this past weekend in Silicon Valley was the big Silicon Valley Code Camp on Saturday and Sunday, and so I got a chance to give two talks and talk to a bunch of people and find out what they're what they're up to, what they're thinking, and sort of also meet up with folks I haven't seen since the last Code Camp.
0: Yeah, I guess um, as a teacher, that's really right. Like that's really important to to do these things and uh and find out what the your your audience like wants and needs and all of that.
1: Yeah, and what was what's what's fun about that is it's a very low anxiety event for me because yeah. it's not like a big conference, it's a very community oriented thing mm. and I feel like I can experiment a little bit and try things out that I might not do it at sort of a, a larger conference. So yeah. it's kind of freeing in that way.
0: So you you um you teach Offline and, and on Twitch, and we'll we'll talk about that in more detail. I'll pick that apart in in just a second. But before we before we delve into that, let's let's uh, let's talk about your background. Sure. So, how did you get into coding, and in particular Java?
1: So uh, I got into coding because I was privileged enough when I was ten years old that there was a local uh, private high school that had a PDP eleven. Right. With uh, a teletype printing on that yellow roll paper <laughs> and had paper tape feed to, to store your programs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if I'd call it coding. I mean, yes, we wrote in basic and we wrote little silly little things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but that was definitely something, you know, that sort of sparked my interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, uh, got a TRS-80 from Radio Shack, the model <laughs> one with with 4K running a Z80 processor, wow. um, and you know typing in games and all sorts of things from the from the magazines. You're right? the showing, sort of you're you showing your age bad. here. You're showing your age. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and uh, also got uh, an Apple II Plus um, with the language card so this was not a common thing this added more memory so it could run UCSD Pascal right um, which is was amazing to work with um, but very different than than anything I had done before because I was doing basic programming Mm -hmm. Um, and my father was doing stock uh, stock market investing and there's this whole thing about technical analysis drawing charts and drawing lines and drawing curves and running through formulas. Um, and I basically uh, took a program that, that he had someone write in Pascal and I converted it to run on an Apple two plus in mm. Apple soft basic to basically draw stock, stock charts. Okay, And uh, at the time there was no, there was maybe one other application that did this. And so I was 13 at the time at this point. And um, it, was picked up and purchased by a company called Dow Jones when they published software. So the Dow Jones chart, chart program was something that I wrote. Wow. And so that was, I was a professional, right? Professional means you get paid. So at that point I was a professional. Wow. Uh, and that pretty much, you know, socked that away for, for, for college. Gosh. So that's, that's how I got started coding. That's an amazing story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. So uh- Gosh. So, I mean, what, I'm just trying to take that in. So you, <laughs> so you wrote, you wrote the charting
1: software for, yeah. for Dow.
0: Oh, wow. Gosh. Yeah. Okay. So
1: I, I wrote it and, and my dad was, um, I, you know, I, I don't know how Dow found out about us, but we were publishing it on our own. Mm. Um, and then they decided they wanted to take it on. And mm. it's really interesting because I look, you know, there's some things that, that stand out for me when I was writing it, um, that were, I don't know if innovators is, is the right word, but um, so one thing was one of the things it did was download stock market data. It had to get the data from somewhere in order to draw the chart. Mm-hmm. Um, it had to download it from somewhere, and and so uh, when I wrote the downloader part, one of the things I did was sort of indicate progress mm-hmm. on the screen by saying, you know, we've downloaded this much and this percent. Um, and I remember them Dow Jones commenting like. Wow, that's really cool. That like we you can tell us like how far are you and to me it seems so obvious like providing feedback. Yeah, and that's something that's been sort of consistent throughout my career. Is this you know really caring about the user, um, really having empathy for the person who's sitting there waiting for the data to download? Especially, mm-hmm. you know, this was in the days of three hundred baud modems, so it was not quick. No. Um, to even download just just one one stocks worth of data, and so uh, those kinds of things, where really thinking about who who's using this and what are you know sort of what what are they feeling, what do they care about, and mm. and providing that feedback. Mm. And I was just like, well, what else would you do?
0: <laughs> what what's um what inspired you to do such a thing like that? What 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 was the thing that yeah you know maybe it was a weekend and you go oh you know what I am going to do today? I am going to do this how did that
1: happen You mean in terms of writing the whole program? Or? Yeah. Yeah. What was the thing that sparked that off? Um, it was really my dad. So he, he had uh, hired someone to, to write the, the charting analysis program because he wanted it for his own work and he was publishing a small newsletter. Mm. Um, but then, uh, and I forget the reason I think they, they wanted to modify it. And I think that they wanted to sell it and having, the requirement of someone who wanted to buy it to have the language card, this was not a cheap thing, mm. uh, over and above already in Apple two plus now mm. buying this additional several hundred dollars, which, you know, probably today in today's dollars would be close to a thousand, mm. um, was, was not a good requirement. So, uh, I basically ported it and then continued to add on to it and wrote the downloaders. Um, mm. and I just loved it. It was, it was, it was very stressful cause, um, you know i i did not know how to manage my time and you know i'm 13 12 13 years right. old Yeah. so uh but you know it was definitely there were, you know there were some low points and like figuring stuff out how to how to do things D- did you um, did you rise write- there was no internet no sure No internet it was all like figuring stuff out
0: yeah gosh so okay so um did you go with the idea of I'm going to build this for Dow Jones or did you, did Dow Jones come and pick it up after you
1: wrote it? The latter. We basically latter. wrote it and then they came, they said this is something we we'd like, we'd like to sell. So your, am I right in thinking then
0: your, the motivation to write it was just out of curiosity.
1: It was, I wanted to help my dad. Right. Um, yeah. and it was something really interesting to work on. And, uh, yeah, because if it wasn't fun, I mean, you know, again, sure. I was thirteen or fourteen. I, if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't be doing it. No, it's not like, it's not like a job <laughs> right. It's like yeah. it's got to be yeah. fun and 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 challenging just enough, you know, mm. that you know you sort of get into that flow of like, you know, it, yeah. So it was definitely fun, and it's really kind of interesting because for a while, and so this leads into to sort of how I got into Java or mm. how I learned Java, the first thing I ever wrote whenever I switched languages so my next line my sort of first language um, sort of after that after doing a lot of basic and quick basic uh, was visual basic Mm -hmm. so I'd been doing um, a lot of stuff with quick basic and working close with Microsoft on some things and basically got into the beta for the visual basic 1.0 product Mm -hmm. so this was really really early days this is you know late 80s early 90s um and so the first program i wrote for visual basic was a stock charting program and microsoft loved this uh, so Microsoft, when they announced the product, they did a roadshow, you know, going around and, and demonstrating it and they used my program. And the reason why they loved it is they loved comparing the stock charts of IBM and Microsoft. Cause at the time, IBM was the big, the big mm. Goliath and Microsoft was, you know, not that, not as nearly as big. Mm. And so they loved showing, you know, showing the two, cause I had a comparison thing that could show, <laughs> you know, how the stocks compared and, and IBM's would go, and, uh, Microsoft's. Wee! So <laughs> they love showing that. Um, so that's what it became. You know, anytime I learned something new, I'd, I'd write a stock chart starting program in it. Yeah. And then so um, in sort of the once I really got into Visual Basic in the mid 90s, uh, I wanted to do things that Visual Basic wouldn't let me do that. At that point, you had to write things in C++ mm. um, in what are called what were called custom controls. Mm. And so I took C++ courses. And and you know what the the pointer stuff just uh, my brain just like star star and then some very like my brain just did not accept it it just completely <laughs> rejected that whole concept I know and I'm like mean. I don't I don't, I, don't I, I felt so dumb I felt so stupid um and I'm like i I just for, forget it I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it and then Java came along and it looked at it it's like it had all the things that I wanted from sort of a more advanced <clears throat> language mmm and OO and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to deal with pointers. Right, right, right. And I didn't have to deal with memory allocation. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so <clears throat> the first thing I did was write us, you know, after a couple of toy things, write a stock charting, you know, application in it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and this was really before the 1.0 release of Java. And so uh, I had access to to the beta. And and for a little bit, I had access to a Sun microsystems workstation because that was the only thing it would run on before they ported it to windows. Mm. Um, and you know, then I've been playing with it and writing c- programs in it and sold a few, you know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. one of those you know really early w- web things where you have, you know, moving a banner, moving across the top of the screen with some advertisement or something like that. And I wrote a Java applet when mm-hmm. applets were mm-hmm. still a thing and, and sold that. Yeah. Um, and so then that was around the time that, uh, uh, a friend of mine said, "Hey, you know, I'm teaching C++, but there's this company that wants to. Uh, I think it was actually, oh, who was it? I know Lotus when it was still a separate company was an early an early client. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, and they were just, you know, can you teach us Java? And he didn't know Java, but he figured, you know, it's similar enough to C++ that. And I knew Java and did." not want to be teaching c++ and i had no idea if i could teach this stuff but he had been teaching so i figured okay let's work together on this uh and we delivered a course and i have no idea if it was any good Um, (laughs) i look back on i actually still have some of the early training materials and i look back on it's like oh my god this is so so much of an information dump
2: Hmm.
1: with uh sort of in this traditional Way of teaching a language, which which is, let's start with all the syntax. Let's start with all of these little details mm. that I now know are like completely useless and completely the wrong way to teach.
0: Right, that's interesting. Okay, um, <laughs> before we delve into that, let's uh, let's let's because because I, I want to go into that. I want to pick yeah. that b- apart. That's a that's a nugget of uh, of awesomeness. But how long have you been a Java developer for?
1: Since then, Since so then, basically, yeah. I, I, I've been pretty much a Java developer for as long as you could be a Java developer <laughs> and not having worked at Sun.
0: <laughs> That's the best uh, in response. Fact,
1: our, our, our training course, we were teaching it before Sun was, before Sun had their act together. No way. Uh, yeah.
0: Gosh. Um, and, and what? Um, what? Th- what things do? What other technologies do
1: you work with Java? Um. You mean other languages or f- – the mm-hmm. frameworks I use are, th- are things like Spring mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. – uh, so a while back I uh, was using um, – uh, I don't know if you'd call it – fr- I guess it's a framework. It's interesting like what's a framework for- – it was a framework. So it was a framework called Drop Wizard, which was sort of gluing together a bunch of common things in the oh. Java ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um But then once Spring Spring got to the point where I didn't have to write anything in XML. So older Spring, you had to like write some configuration stuff in XML, and I just hated that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so once sort of Spring got to fully being able to do stuff in Java as opposed to X doing stuff in XML. Mm -hmm. And now especially with with Spring Boot, that just made sort of this idea uh, that I think Rails did a good job on of of just like you know uh, convention over configuration. Okay. If you just do, do it, you know, the standard way, you don't have to really do very much. Sure. So now I pretty much, uh, I think Spring Boot is the de facto standard for, for any kind of Java mm-hmm. service, mm-hmm. um, server microservice development. Um, other than that, I dabble in, in JavaScript where, where, you know, where I need to actually, mm-hmm. um, I actually have the unfortunate experience of, of doing Java really early on. So still, you know, what's in my head about JavaScript. And I look at the current JavaScript and it's like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Yeah.
2: clears
1: throat> but I, I am, uh, I'm happy that typescript is a thing. Cause you know, I, I'm a, I'm a static typing kind of guy. Right. I like, I like static types.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so, you know, Vue.js is something that I'm going to actually start, start to play with uh, a lot more um, probably in the next week or so on my stream. Ooh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Well, we we'll definitely talk about your Twitch stream soon. (laughs) There's so much in here. I want to just dive in and and, uh and pull apart in. And we've only got one podcast. (laughs) Never enough time. Never enough time. Um, okay. So um, your Java, your Java experience. Were you? Did you um? Is that self-taught or is that something that uh, you actually went to, I don't know, some sort of training thing yourself and got a certificate to say that you know Java?
1: Yeah, so since I was learning it when they were literally writing <laughs> yeah, <right>. books, <laughs> I, it, it was totally you know, totally self-taught. Um, you know, in the early days, there, there wasn't a lot there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you could, you know, I like to think like I've learned object oriented programming dozens of times Mm. over my career. Like each time I think I know it and then I learn something and I'm like, Oh, I didn't know anything. Now I understand it. And then that happens repeatedly. Um, and I think learning design patterns really early on, uh, in the mid nineties, uh, really influenced the way I think about sort of design. Mm. But in terms of learning Java, um, actually I remember one of our clients said you have to be a certified programmer and I'm like all right fine I'll go take the test and I took the test and I passed but like I didn't study for it I'm like there wasn't that much there this was the JDK one over 1.1 and at that point I could uh, truthfully claim I pretty much know everything because I had to in order to learn I had to read the source code Mm -hmm. and this was I mean I don't know, you know, for those who didn't sort of grow up, you know, in the time period I grew up, this was amazing. Mm-hmm. The fact that I could like Visual Basic, you couldn't read any source code. Mm-hmm. You couldn't see how it worked underneath and you couldn't figure stuff out. You had to whatever the information they supplied, that was it. Mm-hmm. But Java not only was all of the APIs, right, the development could all the classes and stuff. Mm-hmm. You could read the code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was that was totally new. Yeah you know yeah. these days it's like well what else would it be but those days it was like that's totally new um and that's how i learned and, and learned from reading that code uh what does this do why does this do this thing um and and reading through that code was 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 the way i learned awesome
0: yeah i guess i guess um you know people who are de- developers these days just come into the scene you know that they, they wouldn't have that they wouldn't they wouldn't have that sort of um that background of of of, uh, working in this sort of closed, confined right? sort of, I don't actually know what's under the hood. I mean, imagine, right. imagine having a car and not being able to go under the bonnet. I mean, that's the, that's the kind of an analogy, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's, let's, let's move into, into the wor- world of teaching. So how did you get to the point of going, okay, I know all of this now I'm going to teach this. What was the what was that process like?
1: Uh, it was actually almost the reverse of what you just said. Um, <laughs> by teaching it, I was learning so much. Okay. Um, so I I remember when it went, you know so to do training you you often travel because you go on site to a to a company to teach you know mm-hmm. to teach a bunch of folks in in a, in a room, um, and I remember carrying tens of pounds of books with me because I'm like. And this was the day when, when you know the the Java books, the entire JDK, the the documentation, you could buy as a book. <laughs> Even though you could like see it on your computer, you could buy it as a book. I mean, these days, like that's just crazy. But it was like these you know really thick books that were mm. really heavy, that you know multiple over a thousand page books. Mm. Um, and so anytime you know, so you know, I knew enough that I could. I always like to say, it's like, as long as I'm staying half a chapter ahead of my students, I'm okay. I, you know, and I, and I kind of learned that the answer, you know, if somebody asks a question, I could say, you know what? I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll go look it up. Mm -hmm. You know, either we'll try it out. It's like, I don't know what happens if you put, Mm -hmm. you know, this, this class inside this other class and make it static versus non-static, whatever kind of, you know, details like, let's try that out. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I go look it up and then, you know, talk about it the next day. And so, you know, I learned about, you know, the Java virtual machine and how the bytecode works and like stuff that, you know, you, you probably wouldn't really look at unless you were, you were teaching that stuff. And it it was really interesting because, you know, sort of when, when Java started the surface area of it was really small. And so I could explain all those things and, and that would be interesting. Now there's just so much other stuff that, like I don't bother teaching very much about uh, the Java Virtual Machine, although in my sort of intro classes I still talk about it because I think it's it's important. It's mm-hmm. like it, it's I, I'm the kind of person or the kind of teacher where I, I want to give you a little bit under the hood, even though you may not need it because I think it it helps build the mental models sure. that will help you later. Sure,
0: sure. I totally dig that. I totally appreciate. What you just said about having to be a chapter ahead—it's like that—that's how I feel myself when I'm teaching. I, I've done some courses mm-hmm. myself, and uh, yeah, I, you know, when 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 a publisher comes to you and says, "Do you know X, Y, and Z?" As long as you know X and Y, you can find out what Z is. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Or um, even just X and, like, you have an inkling of what Y is. and Sure, and, and, yeah. And Z is like, oh, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's that, you know, I think any good teacher is – has to be a good learner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I think you can't – I can't do it anyway because you're – you have to be sort of open to that and and – and sort of flexible enough to say, I don't I don't know this, but I know I can figure it out, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's something that I've always had is, is like, I can always figure it out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I will be very stubborn about, I can always figure this out. Like I know there are times when I'm like, debugging deep into something, some other piece of code is like, I gotta figure this out, mm-hmm. even though I actually don't need to know this thing, because I've already solved whatever problem I was trying to solve. I wanna figure out why that worked. Right. Um, and yeah. that can get me into trouble. <laughs>
0: um, so w- can you, can you talk about the, the pro, the, the actual process of teaching,
1: um, and how that works? Yeah. So <clears throat> there, there are, it's interesting cause there, I think there's different kinds of teaching. So if mm. if it's a more formal course, um, where what I start with is what do I want them to learn? Hmm. That's, you know, what, what in instructional design, they would call learning objectives. But it's like, what do I want them to be able to do? Hmm. Um, and this will tie into, to TDDs, but so we can talk about that later, but it's, it's what do I want them to do? And how do I know that they've done it? Mm-hmm. Because I want to know, you know, if I want to teach them how to, you know, write a test for something. The way I know they did it is I can look at their code and they can run their test and 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 they've got it. Um, and so what I want to do is I want to figure out what – like when I was building this, uh, this week-long basically spring boot boot camp kind of thing where I was taking uh, mostly new hires and new college graduates, mm-hmm. getting them from whatever Java they learned in school all the way to writing uh, a spring boot server – uh, that called out to other APIs and, and showed stuff you know, yeah. using HTML. And so what I do is I start with that end in mind, like where do I want to, them to get to? And then um, I uh, I now have a name for the technique that I use, which was figuring out, okay, what do they need to know to get to that last point? And then what do they need to go to to that previous point, all the way to the to the beginning? Uh, and I learned that that's called backwards design. Um, in instructional design. And so I use that to figure out what do I want them to be able to build? Because Mm -hmm. for me, almost any kind of actual course that I'm teaching uh, that's going to be hands on, they're going to do exercises, labs. And to me, I, I don't like The kind of stuff they do in university and some other areas like, let's write this little thing that figures out prime numbers. Let's write this little thing that figures out this little thing. And just these disparate, separate, completely unconnected things. I Mm -hmm. don't find. I don't find interesting. Um, I find interesting, like, let's build a coffee vending machine.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: Where you select the, the type of coffee and decaf versus, you know, regular mm. and the sizes and then how that affects the price mm. um, and discounts and like, you know, things that and, and you can take that and then break it down mm. to then say, OK, I want to teach them, you know, inheritance. Mm. OK, then I can use this aspect of the thing to teach them that. So for mm. me, it's it's connecting the two things, but I'm always starting with like some kind of project at the end. Mm and then figuring out how do then i tie it into concepts and mm-hmm. so then like i was saying before about the bad way i used to teach java which is like this sort of breadth first or or no actually maybe it's more depth first way of you know here's all the types of visibility of your variables <laughs> and your classes it's like no 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 we bring in those concepts as as we need it right we need to do this and mm-hmm. so oh i we need to look at interfaces so mm-hmm. now we dive a little bit into that you're making it relatable because you're
0: saying, this is, this is a, an everyday thing, like you said, you know, a coffee machine or whatever. So they know what that is, you know, and and they they know how that works. So, and, and then, and then because they can think of it like that, it's not just this abstract concept of this is what a function is. This is what an object is. These are what the types of the variables are, but I don't actually know how to put all this jigsaw puzzle pieces together. Right. H- yeah. h- you're presenting them with this is the the jigsaw puzzle picture that we're going to build. These right. are the pieces and we're going to right. talk about each piece as we put the piece down.
1: Yep. Yeah. And you're not going to just put a bunch of random pieces around. You're going to start sure. with the edges and then you're going to maybe, oh, this area is right. yep. really obvious. Let me start do that and slowly you build it out and connect things together. And to me it has to be connected. It has mm-hmm. to be sort of this one thread that goes throughout the whole thing. Um, And it's, I don't know, you know, the word that comes to mind is sort of naturalistic, right? This is the way we develop software. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, we're writing stuff and we hit a point where it's like, we don't know how to do something. Well, Mm -hmm. what do we do? We go and learn it Mm -hmm. and then we apply it. And that's Mm -hmm. the way I, I, my courses are structured and the the way I teach. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, that kind of process is, you know, works, works at every level, whether it's, you know, a five day, five day class
2: mm-hmm.
1: or, you know, uh, a two hour thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also things where it's not, they're not going to be doing anything hands on. So for example, like the presentations I gave over the weekend, you know, it's an hour. Mm-hmm. So my goal is very different there than, um, than, than a class. My goal is, is more to inform and make them aware of things and maybe they'll retain some of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since they're not sort of, doing anything, the, the learning will, will be very different, but it's still completely valid learning.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there, is there like, um, you, you said that you, you, you used to teach in a way that was teaching the, the, the raw fundamentals, I guess, of all of these things before teaching how to put them together. Is there anything else like that? Any other examples of where your teaching style has has evolved over
1: the years? Um, I definitely do a lot more asking of questions, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's something I continue to try to get better at. It's very easy to say, um, you know, here's here's how to do X, mm-hmm. uh, or here's X. You know, here's an interface, or here's. Um, yeah, so here here's an interface, and what I want to do is that I think is not done enough is the folks in the in the room know stuff, mm-hmm. and I want to get them to share it, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's maybe not quite right. Uh, and so this, I think, this tendency of teachers to, and you see this a lot, like in in universities, is with professors, just you know, you're going to listen to me talk because um, I know everything. Uh, and even if they're not like thinking that it's like, but they're still like, they're just providing lots of information and it may be all great and all correct, but mm-hmm. um, I want to get folks engaged and, and thinking and, and paying attention because there, there still is a need for, for lecture. And I think mm-hmm. lecture is, mm-hmm. is valid. And so my goal is to, 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 to use lecture, but um, as much as possible, get people to, to to participate. Um, so that's, that's definitely something I've changed, um, just over the past few years. Um, and, uh, and yeah, just, just, you know, uh, learning more about how people learn and and how better to teach, Mm. um, and trying to incorporate that, uh, that research as much as possible. So, Mm. you know, every, every time I teach a class, I'm like, okay, what, what could I do differently? Right. So this is sort of the, you know, the agile, the agile retrospective kind of style of like, what could I do differently? Um, what what went well? And uh, <clears throat> I also so sort of kind of a, in, a, in a lean, you know, minimum viable product. When I first taught this one class that I was developing as a pilot, mm-hmm. uh, I was, you know, talk about staying a chapter ahead. I was I was staying a lab ahead. So I'd be writing the, you know, or modifying the next lab based on what they just did. Okay. And sort of on the fly. Um, and I'm, I guess, good enough that I can do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I would, would not recommend that, that folks do that. <laughs> um, but I was very much on the fly, like, okay, I think we need to go in this direction. Mm-hmm. Let me create a quick lab that has them use what I just what we just talked about, what I just explained mm-hmm. in a way that, that maybe I hadn't originally planned.
0: Mm, that's really, um, yeah, that's really interesting. It's like you, you become a, you are adapting, you're evolving yeah, exactly. as it, as it's going along. Yeah. yeah. Awesome.
1: And after, you know, after eight times teaching it, 10 times, you know, now it's pretty, but even so, like I just um, retaught this class for, I think it's the 15th time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I changed something up. And the reason why is I, uh, have been doing a lot with this hexagonal architecture, and I realized, oh, the way I'm teaching this, I could do this so that it still abides by that, right? Because sometimes, you know, when you're teaching, you're, you're balancing, like, can they absorb this information versus is this good code or good architecture? Okay. And sometimes you sort of say, well, this may not be the way I would do this in a production mm-hmm. code base, mm-hmm. but from a learning standpoint, this is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, you have to make that decision of, I'd rather them learn it. Uh, and say, this is, I wouldn't do this in the real world, but we're gonna do this here because it's easier. Yeah. Um, but there were, you know, but I saw a way where I could you know put it closer together and it's like, let me go change this lab to 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 abide by the architecture. Well, like
0: yeah, I guess I guess um, it's it's a good idea to teach what bad code is. So instead of just saying this is good practice, you need right. to explain what that is re- versus what is bad practice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I I focus a lot on when I'm teaching and this is where uh I just didn't have the experience of developing software in Java when I first started teaching. Mm. Uh and so sort of this is, you know, where some trainers get a bad name is like, "Oh, you're only, you know, you're just a teacher, you've never actually done it." Mm. Um I have the advantage of, you know, basically since 2000, 2001, through 2017 i was a software software developer you know Mm. i worked at ebay i worked at Mm. you know guidewire google apple so i i'm a software developer who can teach Mm. um and so i can i've seen enough bad code and i can talk (laughs) about what you know why is it bad Mm. and, and uh the more i taught it and the more i did things the more i realized you know you learn to to sort of uh, make it more concise and, and and make it like, here's, you know, and now I can like distill it down to heuristics and principles. Here's this principle, here's this, this rule. Uh, and if you follow these, these will help you, you know, get better.
0: Awesome. Oh, that, that uh, I love hearing about the story of the evolution of, of, of trainers and programmers. I mean, you didn't mention that you worked at all those companies when we were talking about the <laughs> <your> background. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um ah that's 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 brilliant that's that's really really good um before we get on to the live streaming stuff uh i want I'll ask you a question that I'll ask you with in the context of twitch in just a second but in this case I'll ask you it in the context of teaching
1: What are the biggest challenges of teaching I think the biggest challenge is figuring out who you're teaching who the learner is okay Um, the biggest, and this is where sort of the difference between, uh, teaching and tutoring, Mm -hmm. I think is important. Tutoring is one-on-one and there you have the, the, the the pleasure, the luxury of, they don't know something and you can tell them where, and you can set things and set examples and, and give them problems that are exactly at their level. Okay. Whereas once you have two or more people Mm. you now have to say, well, I know not everyone's going to get this. Mm. And I know some people already know this. Mm. And so how do I sort of thread that needle of, you know, not boring the people who know a lot Mm. uh, and not losing the people who don't know enough because in any uh, any class of any size, you're going to have mixed stuff. And so I think that's, that's my biggest challenge. Um, And there are ways to compensate for that, like uh, adding to the is adding you know optional extras okay like if you finish early then you can go on to this um whereas those who didn't they haven't really missed anything so um i think that's really the hardest part uh that's one of the hardest things the other is uh and you pro- you may know this uh the curse of expertise or the curse of knowledge mm-hmm. once we learn something our brains have changed and we've completely forgotten what it was like to not know it yeah <laughs> and mm. so if we so if we have forgotten what it was like to not know it mm. it's much much harder to teach and so we have mm. to do a lot of extra work with the mm. backwards design and figuring out you know okay i need to teach this rest template thing okay that requires them to know http mm. okay that requires them to know mm. what an http request looks like well what's in that oh they need to know headers well what's in that they need to know the you know all that all the way back until you're basically saying an http request is sent to a socket well what's a socket what's a port what's a domain right mm-hmm. and you really have to break it down and, and then you can do things like okay you know you can you can ask people do you know what this is and if they tell it to you then you get okay, great and then you keep moving on so you hit the stuff where they don't know and then you can start start explaining but if you if you don't probe for that knowledge if you don't look to see what they know mm-hmm. um, it's n- not nearly as much fun for them and it's also just less efficient
0: yeah yeah, you don't want to be covering things that they know because then it becomes pointless um, yeah. f- for them to yeah. – to, to
1: I mean, it, it'll refresh their memory, of course, but, yeah. you know, it's – What's it's, interesting is is where people think they know it, and that's why yeah, I ask probing yeah, questions Yeah, and think, find out they don't have a precise definition for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, to me, that's really important. I am very, as a teacher, very pedantic about getting terms – really correct like if we're going to use the term mock which is a big pet peeve of mine we're going to talk about the five different types of test doubles and why mock is just one of them and there are these other ones that you all call mocks that are not mocks and we'll learn the names for them because i think it's really important you know as as professionals to use a common language that actually is referring to the same thing
0: Hmm. I totally agree, and I'm sure that there's been many times where I've said something and it hasn't actually been the thing.
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> and especially you know, in, you know, in a professional environment, you, that's not as bad. But in a learning environment, mm. being sort of lax about that for me as a as a teacher, I feel like it, it can only lead to confusion mm-hmm. because they'll be thinking like. Well, I heard something totally different elsewhere. And mm-hmm. I'll tell them. You may have heard this as this thing. Like you may have, you know, in the Java world is there's, there's Pojos, which have two completely opposite meanings, which is hilarious. And I talk a little bit about the history about that and uh and that kind of thing and and uh and basically say, and here's how I'll use it, or actually I just stopped using it, and here's why I won't use it anymore, kind of thing. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So Let's move let's move on to uh the
0: the wonderful world of Twitch. Um when did you start teaching on Twitch?
1: I started uh late January of this year. I started my my first wow. Twitch stream.
0: Oh wow, I didn't realize it was that. It's so polished. I didn't realize it
2: was that
1: uh, you know, well, you do 200 plus hours, and and it gets. Po- but if you look at the early ones, so all, they're all uh, they're all up on YouTube. At least the first 18 episodes, I'm slowly getting more and more of them up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look at some of the first ones, uh, and, and one of the things that that you know, and this goes to like you know what I'd recommend to newbies is is do not worry about anything like the microphone or the video camera, or all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Like I had my you know. Mm-hmm my iphone earbuds which i realized was a horrible choice because it kept rubbing against my shirt and it'd be staticky and all, all sorts of bad, but it doesn't matter it's mm-hmm. like i just did it uh and over time you learn and you figure out what works for you and what doesn't um but i think for me it was it, it was a natural thing because as a trainer uh, and also someone who's done a lot of pair programming kind of thing mm-hmm. uh on something like twitch if you're just going to sit there and type and maybe make the occasional comment. Um, that's totally fine, but that's not what I think of. If you really want to be sharing and, and, and teaching in some way, you really have to externalize your thoughts. Um, and that's something I do. I had done really naturally Mm -hmm. because I had, well, not naturally. I had to, when I was teaching, when I was, you know, live coding in front of a, a class, I had to say what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this here because I need to do this thing, Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, I'm, I, am i am generally a quiet person and sort of an introvert. Um, and so it takes a lot of energy from me to, to do that. And so, when, you know, after, uh, like a three or four hour Twitch stream, I'm done, I'm done. I'm like exhausted <laughs> yeah. because I've been forcing myself throughout that whole period of, of saying, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm doing. Here's why I'm doing this. Oh, I need to go figure that this out. Uh, and yeah. really trying to, expose you know expose my thinking because i think that um it's another form of of teaching it's not as i think intentional Mm -hmm. uh but it it it's it's more of the what you know what we'd call modeling i'm modeling what i do as a professional Mm -hmm. and i hadn't thought about this beginning but one of the things that that uh i hope people get from it is you know i've been programming since i was 13 and i still make stupid mistakes and I still have to search for things and I still don't know stuff. Mm. Um, and I hope that people who are starting out take that as, oh, okay, here's someone who's been doing it for 40 years and still has to do all these things and that's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's something that I struggled with right at the start when I was streaming because I was so used to all of these polished YouTube videos and, and, and with the Pact to the Manning stuff you couldn't put mistakes in there it was all clean and so i felt incredibly embarrassed right on the off the hop when i made a mistake because usually my my uh if i made a mistake and i was doing a youtube video which is nice and clean i would leave a gap i would right. see that in the waveform right. that's where i would cut um <laughs> but but with this you have to go oh yeah there is a mistake plus there's more people watching than there are coding. So they can see the mistakes quicker than you can. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't been streaming for a a long time and I'm still, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very green. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very green, but all of these things that I didn't even think were, would be a, would be an issue, but, um, but yeah, they are sort of like many times I've gone half in halfway through a stream. I'm like, this is terrible. I'm just going to come out of this stream. This is terrible. Even though there's people watching, um, (laughs) because I keep thinking it's a bad reflection upon myself, but it's not, this is
1: actually how you code. Um, yeah, it's, I still struggle with that. Like, um, there are going to be streams. Like I had one yesterday where, Uh, I think one of the hardest things, if if I don't quite know what I'm I'm doing next, and Mm -hmm. that's why I like to have a really solid project that I'm working on, Mm. Um, uh, and I'm sort of, you know, I just had finished up my uh, Twitch team shout out bot, and I'm like, okay, what do I do next? I didn't quite want to start this big new project that I'm working on, and so it was kind of like, you know, it wasn't interesting, and I knew that, um, but I just pushed on through because you know that one of my viewers was was chatting and we were chatting about stuff and and um as as someone who also you know creates online videos and 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 teaches and it's like oh i don't know this oh crap they're gonna find out that i Mm. don't know this Mm -hmm. or uh, Mm -hmm. i just made a mistake Mm. um and that still is anxiety provoking for me Mm. uh but i it's taken me, you know, hundreds of hours to sort of learn to just, you know, just push through it. It's like it mm-hmm. it's it's not about, you know, Twitch is not even though Twitch has ways of of making money and so on with its just subs and stuff like that. That's not why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And keeping that in mind, I think is a very was very helpful for me because, you know, my online video courses, they're paying for it. So I, it needs to be good, correct and efficient for them to learn. Mm-hmm. Twitch is just. I'm just, I'm just coding and you're watching and I'm telling you what I'm thinking. Um, and honestly, I started out with no expectations of having any audience or any involvement from any kind of audience. I did it. Uh, you know, you didn't ask me how I started. So I'll tell you, It's like, I did it because I was struggling to do any coding on my own as an independent solo entrepreneur kind of person. Um, I, I, I was just not getting any coding done. Hmm and uh and so you know when i'm pairing so i have a friend who i was pairing with a lot and uh and it's like we should pair more often it's like you know he's he's got other stuff he he wants to do Mm -hmm. um and i don't know if he suggested or i mentioned it and he said go do that uh but the live coding was like it's it puts me in that frame of mind of, of i have uh somebody i'm working with and by sort of externalizing my thoughts uh i found like i'm productive
2: Mm
1: -hmm. i'm able Mm -hmm. to do stuff Mm -hmm. and so even if nobody else cared um just that was a huge win for me Mm. and all the stuff that i did was then fed back it's sort of like it's this raw material that i'm mining that i then incorporate into my training Mm. and into into my presentations Mm. Um, like all the stuff that i talk about now about hexagonal architecture really came out of and was really refined by the stuff I did on, on the Twitch stream.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I get that. It it kind of, I like to think it like it it humanizes programming a bit. It kind of with the engagement with the, the audience and the feedback and the to and fro in real time, it kind of makes it feel like, well, it it makes like, it makes it feel like there's more people in the room than just yourself. And I do get what you what you're saying about um, being the solo dev because that's essentially what I am, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and having someone watch you code is 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 can be quite scary, um, but mm-hmm. it it's actually quite comfortable as well at the same time um, because because it, it it makes it feel like there's someone someone is there and he's a, they're appreciating what you're doing and and you're appreciating their feedback and um, you know it's not just you know, you're not just coding in your bedroom for, uh, on your own. Right. It's you're, you're building a community.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And, and, you know, so, so the, uh, the comments that I would get from, from viewers and Mm. and suggestions that I would get were just pure bonus. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've definitely had folks suggest things and I'm like, let's go do that. And I'll incorporate it in my code. It's like, Oh, that's, that's great. Um, you know, and It was really interesting that I've had a couple of times where, um, you know, someone said, hey, you know, I'm working on this thing. I could use some help. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, let's look at the code Mm -hmm. uh, and just do it. And so I would love to do more of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, still don't quite have the audience to to, to get there. Um, And, you know, sometimes it's like this, you know, four viewers and trying not to, you know, or or two. um, Mm. (laughs) And I don't even know if they're actually there. Uh, (laughs) Right. And so so pushing through that. Sometimes can be hard, but, um, yeah, you know, but it does, it does pay off and, and, uh, cause that's, you know, and, and since I started, I, uh, unless I'm actually teaching a class where obviously I'm not going to stream and I'm not going to stream when I get home after teaching a class cause I'm already tired enough, mm. uh, you know, or I'm at a conference or something, uh, mm. I'm doing as much streaming as I can because I know that, um, it helps me yeah, and it helps, helps me do better, more focused work than, uh, than anything else.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I really dig that. Um, I asked a question about the teaching and the challenges I'm going to ask the same one now for Twitch. So what are the challenges for Twitch? What's the, what are the biggest challenges of doing it live?
1: Um, for me, I think the hardest part is when I'm trying to do something that I'm not familiar with, uh, and I have to go look and read at web pages. I kind of like feel bad because there 's like you know i can 't externalize any thoughts because i 'm i 'm trying to read this documentation right um, and and so like you know i do I, it is a performance mm. and 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 having sort of that dead time maybe nobody cares uh but it it bothers me because I feel like uh, I should be doing something more, more interesting. Like it's not interesting to watch me read a, a web mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of a challenge. And I, I go back and forth though, about how much I want to fix that. Cause I could, you know, before the stream, I could do a bunch of research and figure stuff out. And I sometimes do that. Right. Um, but sometimes you'll get to a point where it's like, uh, we're going to need to read something for like five, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's sort of a, a personal challenge. Um, I think uh, another thing, and I don't know if it's a, a challenge, but it's there's definitely uh, a limit to the involvement or engagement because all the viewers all they can do is, is type letters, type words, mm-hmm. uh, whereas I have full video and audio, and so it's a very unbalanced, asynchronous kind of not asynchronous, but sort of asymmetrical kind of sure. uh, relationship. and yeah. so I've been trying to figure out ways to I've brought on some folks to to pair uh, live. Um, I'd love for a better way to, to do that. But, um, mm-hmm. that's something that it would be nicer because then I feel like we could have deeper, more interesting conversations mm-hmm. about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, the, the challenge of what am I doing, uh, comes up occasionally. Uh, so like I had finished this long project that I, that I'd basically the project I'd been working on since I started tra- streaming, which was um this project called Kid Money Manager. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where, you know what, I I'm done. Like it's a it's an application, you know, I and my family use and, and it's kind of done. You know, maybe I'll add features. There's more work I could do on it, but uh I wanted to move on to something else. And I basically had a full stream on like what am I going to do? Uh and that was that was hard because Again, it was sort of me flailing about with no idea what I'm doing and, you know, brainstorming. And um, But out of that came a good a good thing mm-hmm. uh, that I'm not sure if I would have come up with if I just sat there brainstorming on my own.
0: Right. Um, was that because it was a, an audience engaged thing?
1: Yeah. 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 So basically, you know, I was throwing out ideas like, you know, hey, because I want to start sort of another from scratch project. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Because actually, uh, the, there were a couple of other projects, but um, I wanted one, another one from scratch. Hmm. And, uh, you know, like it's like I could do a stock portfolio, like sort of going back to <laughs> the stock. I was like, I could do that. Um, and it would sort of hit all the points of, of, like I say, basically said, what technologies do I want? It would hit all those points, but it didn't feel interesting enough. Right, right. Uh, and so finally I landed on a project that, that hit all the buttons of the technologies I wanted to cover. Mm-hmm. And and this is what I tell people when they want to learn something. If you want to learn something, a language, a framework, whatever, mm-hmm. find a project that you care about. Find something that's meaningful to you personally. And by meaningful, I mean provides some utility in your life or some benefit or mm-hmm. fills some tiny need. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is where my project, Kid Money Manager, came from, as tracking my kid's money on scraps of paper in an Excel spreadsheet. And it was like this was really inconvenient when we were at the store and wanted to spend some money i 'd have to write down a scrap of paper and then remember to type it in the spreadsheet. Now I just t- send a text message to the to the app and it just does it mm-hmm. um, and having something that you will actually use is mm-hmm. the best way to learn because it goes back to sort of the the way I like to teach it 's like you want to learn things as sort of this pull right you want to pull something out of I need to learn how to do oauth because I don't want to do login myself. All right, let's go learn OAuth. Yep. And I had to learn OAuth. Yep.
2: Um,
1: and so that was uh, keeping my my frustration level not too high is another challenge. <laughs> um, I got super frustrated with the OAuth stuff. Um, like uh, it's okay to rant, but I think uh, I was just feeling really frustrated and and not happy. And mm. I think uh, I have to learn like. You know what? It's okay to stop the stream and just start up later.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: At that point, point. and I actually did that. I said, "You know what? This is this is just not working for me right now. I'm going to end the stream today, and we'll we'll pick it up tomorrow." Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, some sound advice there. Some really really yeah. sound advice. Um. Y- you mentioned um. You mentioned in the challenges of of, of live streaming um that uh it, filling filling the air, you know, going through the documentation and stuff. Personally, I, I, I do think that that is, that's because I think that's a good thing. Cause I think that's showing the audience where to look, what things to look for, you know, uh, it's, it's a, it's a very different, it's a, a very different way of teaching extremely. Yeah. And I, it's weird cause I don't think, but it, I don't know. Personally, I don't think that, uh, uh, Twitch has, um, realized how much of a nugget of gold they've got here because it's not we're not streaming a game it's not someone who can just play a game and you can just put it on in the background or have a little chat and have a conversation with with other people in the chat this is this is actually giving them some knowledge Mm -hmm. uh, you know Um, we are essentially we can be affecting people's careers
1: i hope so which is huge yeah yeah Yeah. i mean you make a good point i mean you know since I know, and especially over the past couple of years, done a lot of research on, you know, how people learn and how that informs how you write good documentation. Mm. um, My, my long, you know, viewers who have been with me for a while know my little rants about when I hit some documentation, like, oh my God, this is, you know, so, so uh, absolutely like, you know, learning like, oh, this isn't, this isn't right. Let me go over here. Oh, this isn't, this is weird. Let's look look over here. Uh-huh. And that process of searching and evaluating, uh-huh. uh, and this is something I even try to teach in my classes, is how do you evaluate uh-huh. where to go for information? I basically say, look, Stack Overflow should be at the bottom of your list. Uh-huh. Stack Overflow is a last resort. Uh-huh. You want to go to prime. you know, sort of like I remember when, you know, I was in elementary schools like your primary source was not the encyclopedia <laughs> <laughs> that was like you know that was cheating your primary right. source was whatever book or other things like and stack overflow is like yes if you can't find anything anywhere else mm-hmm. um it, it but you have to be careful mm-hmm. because sometimes it's not it, it's a working answer but it's not the right answer and i differentiate between that because sure. there's lots of ways to make stuff work yeah. that aren't kind of right sure of course so I, I want to warn people you know about that but then uh you know looking at documentation saying oh this documentation would be so much better if so and so and actually recently uh because it's hacktoberfest mm. uh i actually yeah. filed um a couple of prs with one of the projects i was working with some on uh on the code but some on improving the documentation and i think that's something that uh is really underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Like most of my contributions to to open source pro- projects have actually been documentation, mm-hmm. because most people want to do the code. But I think fixing the documentation, making it easier for that next person to not yeah. have to suffer as much, uh, I think is is really valuable.
0: Definitely, if you've had to jump through several hoops in order to to, to do what the documentation tells you to do, then there's obviously lots of missing documentation that needs to be added, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, And and another point I I wouldn't mind adding is that it's the um, teaching how to debug is an art in the sense as, you know – you don't normally get taught that in school and university. How do I debug this? Right. When, right. When, I, when someone gives me a bug and I say, well, what does, what does the error log say? And they say, well, where is the error log? How do I get to that error log? Right,
1: right. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Um, I, so the higher level thing of debugging is troubleshooting. Mm. So to me, debugging yeah. is, is, is a part of troubleshooting and teaching yeah. how to troubleshoot. I think you're exactly right. It's not yeah. taught. Yeah. Um, and it was really interesting because, uh, so with the, the, my kid money manager app, uh, I had, you know, was using it. I sent a text and usually it responds within a couple of seconds and it mm. didn't, didn't, didn't get a response. And so I'm like, Hmm. So I sent another text and it like, didn't get a response. And then I got two responses. Okay. And I'm like, for a minute I was scared. Like, Oh man, did the crash? Um, you know, did something go wrong? And it's like, that was weird. And so on my next stream, I start off with, let's go investigate what happened. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. and I think that's really interesting because, yeah. you know, first of all, there's so many places where something could have gone wrong. Sure. Right. Was it uh, the text message itself? Mm. Uh, was it, I was using Twilio. So was it Twilio? Mm. Uh, was it my app? I was, cons- you know, you're always thinking like, oh, it must be my app. I did something wrong. Mm. Um, right you know, was it Heroku where I, where I, where I deploy stuff onto Mm -hmm. and going through that process of let's, you know, being, being scientific about it. What's our hypothesis? Well, I think it's my app because right, of course it's gotta be my app. Well, no, it's not. Right. And then it's like, okay, what's my next hypothesis? Well, maybe Twilio, no, Twilio is fine. And Mm -hmm. I basically didn't have a solution other than it was probably Verizon, the cell phone provider. It was the one delaying stuff because everybody else was responding, you know, responding really quickly, less than, less than half a second. Mm-hmm. So the so oh well, you know that that happens. Yeah. Um, but that process of be thinking scientifically about it,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and that very much relates to to, to TDD for me, uh, is so powerful. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, I've noticed you do a lot of TDD on the streams, and I, I and I applaud you for that because TDD is something that, um personally, I don't think is, is taught enough. Um, and it's helped me out in, 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 in uh, leaps and bounds in my, uh, career. Um, and it's, it's, it's difficult to get your head around. Um, but you do it really well. You, 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 um, you kind of, well, you, you you explain and then you do it and then you explain what's happened after you've done it. And it's kind of like that sort of, That process of, well, it's that backwards, backwards learning, as you mentioned, it's sort of like you, you explain what you're going to do, you do it, then you explain why that's worked or why that's failed. And then you, and it's that cycle you, you show, you demonstrate the cycle of TDD extremely well. Um, yeah, yeah. I I wish I saw, um, I wish I, I wish I would have seen your streams when I was trying to wrap my head around the whole TDD thing.
1: (laughs) Me too, because, you know, <laughs> again, it's one of those things like I thought I knew TDD and I, over the past year, I've been really focused on being more kind of conscious about how I do it and mm-hmm. thinking about how I do it. And, uh, I feel like I'm, um, an order of magnitude better at it than I was just a year ago mm-hmm. because I've really, uh, and I'm better at teaching it. Right. Uh, and so I'm glad that, that you're seeing that because I'm being much more like, you know, because you know, the T D D is as mostly folks see is like red, green refactor. Sure. But that's that's too big. Those jumps are too big, it's mm-hmm. too high level. Um, there's only a couple other folks who I think really dig into well, what does red mean? What does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. Um what is that in you know, and so I have this diagram, you know, it's one of the things I do on my stream. And this is the advantage of being a trainer, uh, is I'm constantly flipping to let me go look at this PowerPoint slide. Let me show you this PowerPoint slide where I explain this, or let me show you this diagram that I drew from a class and, right. and we can go through that. So I, I sort of pull in like these, you know, references that, that I have, mm-hmm. um, to help explain something mm-hmm. and, uh, refining the TDD diagram. Uh, mm. was a breakthrough for me and i think it's really mm. at least i hope it's really helped people mm. people learn the process mm. it,
0: yeah yeah because my background of tdd is very limited i mean i'm still still trying to learn it, it you know i don't I, I don't have a complete picture of it um but my background of it is through reading it in blogs and mm. like and not actually seeing it yeah, you have to, yeah. it's it's, a, it's it's an experience you have to experience yeah. the cycle um yeah. to, to to actually appreciate to appreciate it um and you do it in a very methodical way which which is which is good um before we before we shoot off is there is there anything else that you um you would like to add of all the various things that we've
2: mentioned today <laughs>
1: um we we should do another podcast about tdd <laughs> yeah i think we should <laughs> because uh, Because there's a lot of depth to to TDD. Um, uh, One thing I'll say about that, though, Mm. is uh, I I sort of recently had at least what to me was an epiphany about relating uh, the way I I now think about TDD and how people learn. Right. Um, So with people with learning, it's, you know, as a teacher, it's like, what do I want them to learn and how will I know they learned it? Mm -hmm. And then I will uh, give them. Sort of tests, in some cases, actual tests, to help them mm-hmm. to help them learn and to probe for what they might know. I'm not going to do anything more if they already know it. Mm-hmm. Versus, if they don't know it, then I'll sort of do more of that. Mm-hmm. TDD is very much like that. So that the two questions I always ask with TDD is, "What do I want the code to do?" and "How do I know it did it?" Okay. And those two questions um, solve all the problems that I've seen when uh, when people are trying to do they're trying to start TDD. They're usually not very clear. Mm-hmm about what the code is that they want to do, or maybe they're clear. But mm-hmm. then that second question, how do you know it did it? That's the kicker. Mm-hmm. That's the one that's like, well, I wanted to you know, send a text message when the balance is $50. like, okay, how will you know? Uh, oh, hmm, I don't know. Ah, well, you're not gonna be able to write a test then. Right. You not need to answer both those questions. Uh, yeah. And then you're just constantly adding more tests to, to flesh out what the system knows and what it doesn't know. And if you write a test and it passes, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, maybe the system already knows how to do that. So I don't need to do anything. Sure. Uh, so that's, that's sort of been relating those two things together has been really uh, just amazing to me. Yeah. Awesome.
0: There's, there's a question that I ask everybody on this show. Um, and this is, uh, if, you could, if you could talk to your former self, what advice would you give? Uh, it could be more than one. It doesn't have to be technical. It could be non-technical if you could speak to your former self, what would you, what would you say?
1: Uh, trust your intuition. Nice. Because, uh, there were times where I couldn't explain why I thought whatever we were doing was incorrect or wrong, or there could have been a better way or this way is better. Mm. And I'm like, well, they're the experts. I, I don't really know my intuition is telling me something, but I, I, I couldn't, you know, it's one of those where it's almost like it's some magical thing. So I don't, I didn't quite trust it. Mm. And, but I didn't trust it. And I basically followed other people, you know, who were the supposed experts. It was wrong. Right. I was like, well, if I just listened to my intuition, we would have been in a different place. Sure. Um, and so I've really now, really trust it and then try to figure out what is it telling me? How does it know this? Uh, And really kind of exploring that. And the TDD stuff is is very much like that. It's like, I sort of very much picked it up in a way that I was having trouble explaining. And I'm like, okay, I really need to dig into what am I thinking? What am I doing? Uh, And so the streaming has really helped with that. So Yeah. yeah, going back and say, just trust your intuition. It's it's right. You may not know why and you can, f- and figure it out, but, but trust it. That's some
0: solid advice. That's some solid advice. Um, h- how, how does, uh, how, how do people get hold of you? What's your, what's all the handles?
1: Um, so on all the social media stuff, I am Jitter Ted. So J I T T E R and then T E D. So mm-hmm. JitterTED Ted on Twitter, um, Jitter Ted live goes to my Twitch. Mm-hmm. jitterted.tv TV goes to my YouTube. Um, you can go to Ted.com, but it'll basically redirect you. Uh, ted.dev is probably the the shortest way to, to get to my website, mm. uh, and you can contact me. Probably Twitter is, 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 is the best way.
0: Cool. I'll put all the social links and everything um, in in the show notes below. Do you have um Do you have kind of a, a schedule for for, for streaming?
1: Yeah. So my schedule is pretty much, uh, if, as long as I'm not otherwise occupied, uh-huh. uh, I do Monday through Friday, um, uh, Monday, Tuesday. So every day except Wednesday, I do, uh, noon to three o'clock my okay. time, which is, uh, what? 20,00 UTC. Uh-huh. Uh, on Wednesdays I shifted it later because of various things, but, uh, yeah, for, for three, three to four hours a day. Um, wow. and my schedule's up on my Twitch channel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and, uh, you can connect also on my discord and find out details and ask questions if I'm offline or even if I'm online.
0: Awesome. Well, yeah, I'll go watch, go watch just said. anybody who's listening here, who's doing Java check, check this, uh, this fella out. Cause he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> oh, well that was, that was really, really good. I've learned a lot, um, and it's uh, fascinating to hear your backstory thank you ever so much for coming on to the uh, to the show ted um it was my a pleasure pleasure speaking to you my pleasure awesome and uh, please do come on again <laughs> yeah have me on again <laughs> lots lots of things that we could talk about yeah. thank you thank you very much for those watching on the youtubes and listening on the podcast happy coding everyone i'll see you again soon cheers bye thanks Before we go, I just want to say that if anybody wants to join the Discord channel then please do so. Go to howtocodewell.net forward slash discord. There's channels in there for coding help, there's channels in there for coding challenges, new coders, lots of stuff for programming. There's a nice little community that's building up there. So if you've got any coding questions you want to ask, then do check out howtocodewell.net forward slash discord. Of course, if you want to support the channel and if you want to get early access to some of these podcasts and the tutorials that I've got on the YouTube channel then do check out our Patreon account that's patreon.com forward slash how to code well you'll also get access to the pro user discord channels and the voice chat channels as well thanks very much happy coding everyone I'll see you again in the next one cheers bye